this term, we are going to be thinking about moving forward. You're, if you were around last term um, and you came to Globe Getaway, at Globe Getaway last term, we were thinking about um, taking steps forward in living for Christ. Um, this is something that as elders we thought about in the summer. We had an elders weekend away and, and taking one of our church values of being a discipling church, wanting to live all of life for Christ, we're saying let's really focus this year on encouraging each other to keep going in being a disciple of Christ. Not just standing still, it's actually impossible to stand still, but to want to grow and move forward in, in all sorts of different ways. And so wanting to carry on focusing on that in Globe Focus, we're going to specifically think about moving forward in Christ-likeness, moving forward in fighting sin, in holiness, in, in becoming more and more like Jesus. So that's what this term is going to be all about. And, and the reason I want to do this is because if we're Christians, we know we God wants us to change. Uh, we, we know that this is part of being a Christian. But actually, how do we change? How do we move forward? How do you fight sin? We kind of know we're supposed to, but what does the Bible actually say about how it happens? And how can we help each other? So that's what this is going to be all about. And the, it, it's important to do this in our small groups, in, in Globe Focus, because we need each other. Changing is something we, we do together. We help each other. We pray together. We, we're honest with each other and say, I'm struggling with this. Will you pray for me? Will you help me fight this sin? I want to grow in this way. So the reason we're doing this in the group is because Globe Focus isn't just come, have a meal, do some studies, go ahead. Globe Focus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I got a friend who's a pastor at a church the other day and someone was praying. It was like, uh, thank you, God, that uh, you know that you speak to us. And at that moment, someone's phone went off and everyone lost it. It was brilliant. Anyway, um, yeah, we get to help each other. And, and I want you to maybe take, you might be taking some more steps towards getting to know each other and, and helping each other and feeling that Globe Focus and these, these groups are part of your church community to help us move forward together. So what I want to um, encourage you to do as we go through this series is to think of some particular areas of your life where you'd love to grow in Christ-likeness. Okay, identify something that you're going to see as a kind of a, a bit of a project as we go through these studies. Um, now, especially when we when we have, there'll be time in the studies where we get to share with each other and pray together and that kind of thing. There may be things that you don't want to talk about in in the big group or in two or three or whatever, and that's fine. Um, just so you you know, we've got plans um, in a future Globe Focus to do something focusing on sexual purity and probably doing that in male female groups. So there'll be space to talk about maybe that kind of thing coming up. But I want to encourage you to take steps towards honesty and sharing that kind of thing. But, like I said, um, try and identify perhaps an attitude, um, a struggle, something you'd like to address. Um, perhaps you can look at it negatively. There's a kind of sin you want to get rid of and a, way, and a, and a fruit of the spirit you want to grow in. So you, you, you've got a short temper, and so you want to fight that and move forward in patience. You want to fight your pride and grow in humility. Okay. Um, you, you're, you're finding that you're actually quite a cynical person, so you want to grow in love for the truth. There are ways in which you're finding yourself indulging, and so you want to grow in self-control. Okay, so think about that. In fact, I'm going to give you a moment now 
just to have a moment before God, just to think, what what would be, um, what attitude, what way would you like to grow and move forward? Have a think about that, and then I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love and mercy for, to us. That you want to help us change by your grace. Even as we begin to think about changing, um, we, we can begin to feel the impossibility of it for us. But nothing is impossible with you. So we thank you for each other. Thank you for these groups. Thank you that we can pray together, study your word together, help each other learn more about your grace to change us. Lord, help us become more like Jesus. We love him. We want to be like him. He's our king. He's our savior. He's our friend. So please help us by the power of your spirit. We can't do this alone. But you can help us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So as we go through this series, just so you know, it's going to be split into two different parts. The first part um, and the first three weeks are foundations for moving forward. Before we get to thinking about, okay, how do we change? We need to slow down and get down to some real gospel foundations. Okay, so the first three weeks are foundations. Part two, the final three and a bit weeks, um, are thinking more, okay, how to change. What does the Bible say about the process of change and how we can seek after moving forward, okay? So today we're starting in, in um, part one, thinking about our new existence. So I want to introduce you to two kinds of, two types of Christians. Um, and both of these types of Christians struggle with the idea of moving forward in Christ-likeness and obedience to God. Okay, two names. The first is Chloe Complacent. Okay? I don't think there's anyone here called Chloe. Okay, good. Chloe Complacent. Now, Chloe Complacent doesn't think that she needs to move forward in obedience. Okay? Second person is Barry Broken. I don't think there are any Barrys here. So this works. Barry Broken. Now, Barry doesn't think he can move forward. Chloe Complacent, Chloe Complacent doesn't think she needs to. Barry Broken doesn't think he can move forward in obedience to Jesus. Now, both of them have the same problem. They have a gospel that is too small. They have an understanding of the good news of Jesus that is just too small. If you ask Chloe and Barry... Why did Jesus die for you? Chloe would say, to get me to heaven, to get me forgiven, to, to make me righteous before God, and I've got that job done. Now, all of that's true. That's why Jesus died. Now, Barry would actually say something very similar, Barry Broken. He's so aware of his sin, he really feels it. And he knows so much that he needs forgiveness. He, he knows that he's got this guilty conscience. And that's this big burden for him. And he's, he's fighting to believe that he can be forgiven. And he's struggling with that. And he says, Jesus died to forgive me. And I'm, I'm just trying to hold on to that. But for both Chloe Complacent and Barry Broken, there's a crucial and beautiful element of the gospel that's missing. Moving forward in Christ-likeness and obedience. Chloe Complacent doesn't think she needs to. She's got a forgiveness. 
And that's all she needs. So she's now forgiven. She knows she's going to go to heaven. So Christian life is just kind of waiting. Like, get on with it. Wait for Jesus to come back or me to die and go to heaven. That's how she rocks. She hasn't got a desire to change because her gospel is too small. It doesn't include the good news of transformation of her life. She's not kind of bothered about that. That would be nice, I guess, but her gospel stops short of that. But for Barry Broken, he doesn't think he can change. And the problem is the same, that his gospel is too small. He thinks, you know, given what I'm like, it's such a huge thought that I can be forgiven. The idea that I could be changed as well is just completely unrealistic. It's just a step too far. It's wishful thinking. See, for him, the expectation that he could be changed is missing. His gospel only just makes his forgiveness. He doesn't think he could be changed as well. I wonder which of those you most identify with. You probably sit somewhere around in a spectrum, but maybe you resonate with one of those more than the other. The need to change doesn't feature much in your Christian life, or you're thinking about the good news, or the ability to change just feels way out of reach. You're just too bad. So what we need to do, what Chloe and Barry need to do, is to revisit the gospel. How does moving forward in Christ-likeness fit into the good news of Jesus and Christianity? Does the good news include transforming us? So let's look at the gospel in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Please turn around your Bible. Two Corinthians five, starting at verse fifteen, page one one six two. You're going to study um, the rest of these verses in your in your Bible study, and we're going to focus in on verse fifteen. But I'll read all the verses now. So, looking out for the gospel, what does the gospel say? What is the good news, and how? Can you look out for anything where the gospel seems to be about us changing and that kind of thing, okay? So 1 Corinthians, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 15. And he, that's Christ, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Stop there. We're going to focus on verse 15, and we're just going to go through in three simple steps through that verse and see how moving forward and change fits into the good news of the gospel. So step one in verse 15 is that Christ died for all. Okay, so this might be new to you or might not. The death of Christ is at the heart of the good news of Christianity, that Jesus died for us. For Paul, the death of Jesus changes everything. In verse 21, he talks about it, about Christ becoming sin for us. God, verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that we could become the righteousness of God. That means Jesus was punished in our place as if a sinner, so that we could be righteous, completely forgiven and accepted by God. 
Verse 19 talks about not counting people's sins against them. Because Jesus died, God doesn't count all the wrong all the wrong we've done against us. He forgives us. He won't punish us. Jesus died for us. That's the first step. Christ died for all. Step two in verse 15, he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. Okay, so the, the problem that Jesus' death solves is the fact that we live for ourselves. Yeah, you see that? We live for ourselves. That's the problem. See, the, the fundamental problem of humanity is that we live for me. What do we do? Why do we do it? We do what we want because, well, we do what we do because we want to. We live for ourselves. And that doesn't just work on an individual level. We do this as cultures, as whole communities. How do we decide what's right and wrong in our culture? How do we decide? How do we go, generally we accept, oh, this is morally acceptable. Basically, um, something's morally right to us. If we want to do it, if it makes us happy in this consent, roughly, that's, that's how we decide. But ultimately, it's we decide what's acceptable in our life. We choose. We're living for ourselves. Go back to the Garden of Eden. When Eve took the fruit, she was living for herself. So when we live for ourselves, for our own pleasure and purpose, by our own rules, we live for ourselves instead of living for God. We were made to live for God, but we live for ourselves. And we deserve punishment for us, for that. That is sin. And that's the problem that Jesus came to solve, that we, might no, we would no longer live for ourselves. And here's where we begin to see the good news of the gospel and, and the, the moving forwardness of the gospel. Why did Jesus die? To forgive us? Yes, but have a look. What does it say here? He died so that those who live, that is, those who trust in Jesus, should no longer live for themselves. That's why Jesus died. Jesus did die to forgive us for living for ourselves. But he didn't stop there. He died that we would stop living for ourselves, as well as being forgiven for it. He died that we would stop living for ourselves. Do you see that? Which leads to step three. That we would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. That they would live for him who died for them and was raised again. Why did Jesus die? Christ died so for us so that we would stop living for ourselves and start living for him, the one who died and rose for us. I want you to imagine a conversation Jesus didn't have with his disciples, okay? After he, after he rose from the dead. So he's done the whole cross thing, he's risen from the dead. Um, the disciples are like, so Jesus, uh, what do we do now? Okay, you died for us, you've risen from the dead, now what? Jesus says, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Pay for your sin. What more do you guys want? It doesn't it. Well, we thought you might want us to stop living for ourselves, Jesus. Um, yeah, don't worry about it too much. Try and be a little bit nicer. That'd be good. But don't worry about it too much. That would be a really bizarre conversation, wouldn't it? Jesus has died. He's risen. Oh, don't worry about it. I don't mind how you live. No, this tells us that Christ died to bring you and I into this new existence where we no longer live for ourselves. That was the problem. But now, forgiven, we begin to live a new life for him. Think about it this way. A, married, a, a couple who get married, 
Don't the next day, after their wedding day, go, well, phew, glad all that trying to be nice to each other's over. We can just kind of get on and ignore each other now that we've got married. No, the point of the marriage is the relationship. And the point of our salvation is the relationship with Christ where we move forward in living for him as our Lord. That's the whole idea of the, the R word that kept popping up. Reconciliation. It's in verse 18. Uh, God reconciled us to himself. Verse 19, God was reconciling the world to himself. We have the message of reconciliation. What's that all about? Reconciliation is about relationship. Reconciliation is about when a broken relationship gets restored. So our reconciliation to God is not just have a ticket to heaven, but where we carry on living for ourselves. And it's not where God says, well, I've forgiven you, but I'm afraid I've just not got enough grace to change you as well. We devastate the relationship by living for ourselves and in Christ he brings us back, restored, reconciled, forgiven. Now we can live like we were meant to. With a new king, a new existence. If you remember one thing from this, Christ died so that we might live for him. Okay, let's go back to Chloe and Barry. Barry. How does this help Chloe complacent and very broken. Let's think about Chloe. A gospel that contains the grace to change you as well. It tells Chloe complacent that the very reason Jesus died was transformation of her life. That that transformation isn't just some happy optional extra. Forgiveness is given so that a new existence can begin. One where Chloe stops living for herself. She's forgiven for that. She starts living the better life, living for Christ. So God does give her this free gift of salvation. Yes! But not some ticket to heaven that you put in the back of your pocket and you kind of wait till the gates of heaven and then you take it out. The free gift of forgiveness is a ticket to a relationship and a new existence that starts right now. A new existence where we can begin to live for him instead of ourselves. So Chloe, complacent, needs to know Jesus died so that she can move forward in Christ-likeness. And she needs to know that's really good news. That's really good news. Right, what about Barry Broken? He struggles to believe that his life of living for himself can be forgiven, let alone changed. He's so painfully aware of how he still so often, even though he's trusting Jesus, he still lives for himself. What does this tell Barry? It tells him that the gospel is bigger and better than he ever dreamed. Jesus is big enough to forgive and change him. Don't shrink Jesus. Don't limit his power so that he hasn't got enough power to change you. As if you're just too sinful for Jesus. Too sinful. He thought he could change us, but darn it, you're just too sinful. That's a shrink, Jesus. There is sufficient grace for forgiveness, and there is sufficient grace for transformation too. Jesus wants you to live for him enough. Listen to this. Jesus wants you to live for him enough to die on the cross to win that for you. That's what it says here. He died that we would live for him. 
That's how much he wants to change you. He died to win it. You say to Barry, you may feel very broken. Your progress might feel very slow. You may feel like you're not moving forward. You're moving forward at a snail's pace. But Jesus guarantees that you can move forward in him. He died for all so that Barry Broken might live for him. In fact, why not put your name in that sentence? He died for all so that Phil might no longer live for himself but live for him. He died for Robin. He died for Johnny. He died for Alice. He died for you so that you would no longer live for yourself but live for him. Jesus wants to change you. Which means there's not one person in this room, listen to me, there's not one person in this room who's a hopeless case. There's not one person beyond forgiveness. There's not one of us beyond change. You are not beyond help. By yourself you are. With Jesus you are not beyond help. So if you're a Christian... That's your new existence. This is your new gospel existence. Jesus died for you so that guilt removed will begin to change you. Oh, it's a process and some of us feel a slow process. But you die so you stop living for yourself. Is it slow? Yeah. Do we feel defeat? Yeah. Is change possible? (coughs) Yes. Jesus died for you. So that's the new beginning of the new existence. Verse 15, just tease it up. Now what you're going to do now is follow through from verse 16 and think more, tease this out. What else, what other images, what other language does Paul use to say to us, you're new. Do you believe it? Do you get it? Let's pray and then we'll get into our Bible this. Lord Jesus Christ, we want to praise you for dying for us. Some of us say that and think that, I know, do just too easily died for us, as if that's a small thing. It is astounding that you should die for us when we have all we've done is live for ourselves. We've put ourselves at the centre of our universe and we're sorry because you deserve to be there. And we praise you that your gospel is just so big. You are just so full of power and grace and you're just so capable of taking care of the fullness of our brokenness we want to praise you for the righteousness that you've given us that we all by trusting Jesus are right before you tonight you delight in us you smile on us not because we're amazing but because Jesus died in our place and rose again we thank you that we can Know that complete acceptance and love from you. We praise you, your gospel just goes on and on being good and that you you want us to live for you. So we pray, Lord, just as we start this series, you give us that hope of a new existence, that awareness that this is who we are because of Jesus. And we just long that we'd experience more of it in our lives. Thank you for the rest of these verses coming up. These are your words to us tonight. And we want to listen to you, so we pray for your help. In Jesus' name, amen.